Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM Louisville. Also streaming worldwide at forwardradio.org. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 345, Reagan and Central America. So why are we talking about Reagan and Central America on the Climate Report? I can give you three good reasons. Reason number one, the purpose of the Climate Report is to solve the problem of climate change. It is not just a set of scientific issues, it is a set of political issues because it involves collective action. It involves a certain amount of getting organized on a societal level, cooperating and doing good things together. Number two is that war has a big impact on the climate. For one thing, the Pentagon, the Department of Defense, is the world's largest institutional user of fossil fuels and emitter of carbon dioxide. You also have a great deal of things like deforestation and pollution that go along with the military. Number three, empire has a big impact on climate. The U.S. is an empire. If, there's, if the U.S. is not an empire, there's never been an empire. We could choose not to be an empire, or we could choose to be a much smaller empire. But for the time being, we are an empire. And the way that you know that we are an empire is that there are about eight countries in the world Out of 150 or 200 countries in the world, I count six or eight of them that that dare to not be strictly obedient to the United States. And those are China, Russia, North Korea, Syria, Iran, Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua. Not very, not a very long list. And if you're on that list of countries that choose not to be obedient, not to go with the flow of the U.S. empire, then you are uh, an official enemy. I mean, is there a country on that list that is not accused of terrorism and human rights violations, etc., etc.? By contrast, if you're a Saudi Arabia, if you're a Brazil, if you're an Indonesia, if you're a France, Britain, or Germany, Japan, there might be criticisms from time to time, but you're not constantly harassed or constantly slandered. So the U.S. is an empire. An empire has a big impact on climate. For one thing, empire goes hand in hand with violence which we will be talking about in this episode, but also empire goes hand in hand with trade. And trade carries with it a big carbon footprint and a big ecological footprint. Imagine these massive container ships that go from China to the U.S. or from Taiwan or Indonesia to the U.S., to bring us things that mostly we could have made ourselves or grown ourselves. Not that we shouldn't trade, 
but trade is geared toward the big players. The purpose of international trade, such as it is, is to serve the interests of the big players, the big companies, and the U.S. in its foreign policy, strong arms smaller countries, which is all of them, except for Russia and China. All these countries are rather small, but it strong arms the smaller countries into import-export economies. So you can't grow your own food. You have to buy food that we export to you. And when you grow food, you're not going to eat it yourself. You're going to uh, ship it outwards on the international markets. It's very inefficient. It's very exploitative, but the big players win, and that's why we do it that way. So that's why we're talking about Reagan and Central America in the context of climate, because war has a big impact on climate, empire has a big impact on climate, and because we have to constantly watch governments and corporations and ask, what are they saying and is it true? It's usually not true, but we'll get into that. So let's travel back to the Reagan presidency, which was 1981 to 1989. And this is three years into the eight-year presidency. It's May 9th, 1984. My fellow Americans, last week I was in Beijing and Shanghai. Three weeks from now, I'll be preparing to leave for Dublin, Normandy, and the annual economic summit in London. I'm pleased that our trip to China was a success. I had long and thoughtful meetings with the Chinese leadership. Though our two countries are very different, we are building a strong relationship and a genuine spirit of cooperation, and that's good for the cause of peace. This was our second trip to Asia in the last six months. It demonstrates our awareness of America's responsibility for leadership in the Pacific Basin, an area of tremendous economic vitality. I believe our relations with our Asian allies and friends have never been better. But that isn't what I wanted to talk to you about. I ask for this time to tell you of some basic decisions which are yours to make. I believe it's my constitutional responsibility to place these matters before you. They have to do with your national security, and that security is the single most important function of the federal government. In that context, it's my duty to anticipate problems, warn of dangers, and act so as to keep harm away from our shores. Our diplomatic objectives will not be attained by good will, and noble aspirations alone. In the last 15 years, the growth of Soviet military power has meant a radical change in the nature of the world we live in. Now, this does not mean, as some would have us believe, that we're in imminent danger of nuclear war. We're not. As long as we maintain the strategic balance and make it more stable by reducing the level of weapons on both sides, then, then we can count on the basic prudence of the Soviet leaders to avoid that kind of challenge to us. So if you're just joining us, this is the Climate Report. I'm Hart Hagen, and I'm reading through Reagan's address on Central America in 1984. 
This is about nine years after the end of the Vietnam War, and it is five to seven years. It's about five years before the fall of the Berlin Wall and maybe seven years before uh, the Soviet Union was reorganized. And this is a speech where President Reagan is prevailing upon the American people to support his efforts to use the military and our intelligence agencies to suppress what he calls subversion in Central America. He thinks we are the good guys and Central America, our neighbors, are being influenced by the bad guys, which is Cuba and the Soviet Union. So speaking of the Soviet Union, which, you know, at the time they were the bad guys, they were our arch nemesis, the Soviet Union and China together represented the big countries that were defending, that were identified themselves as communist, and they wanted to influence other little countries to be communist and, and to be in their sphere of influence. And the U.S. supposedly wanted the world, the rest of the world to be free, but under a capitalist system, which, you know, we can talk about how much freedom there is in that when only a very few people have most of the money and get to control how business operates and how the economy runs. There are certain limitations on freedom that go along with that. But the rhetoric was always that capitalism equals freedom and communism equals tyranny. And it was this big kind of good guys and bad guys, cowboys and Indians type of uh, rhetoric and, and a, kind of a fairy tale or at least a mythology that goes around all that. So speaking of the Soviet Union, he says they are presently challenging us with a different kind of weapon, subversion. I love the word subversion there. It's like, what are you talking about subverting? I mean, when people want to run their own countries the way they see fit, are they subverting us or are they asserting their right to run their country as they would like to do it? But he says they are presently challenging us with a different kind of weapon, subversion, and the use of surrogate forces, Cubans, for example. We've seen it intensifying during the last 10 years as the Soviet Union and its surrogates move to establish control over Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Angola, Ethiopia, South Yemen, Afghanistan, and recently, closer to home, in Nicaragua, and now El Salvador. It's the fate of this region, Central America, that I want to talk to you about tonight. So note here how President Reagan talks about the Soviet Union wanting to establish control over Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. So Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia were the three countries that were involved in the Vietnam War. The mythology was that North Vietnam was our enemy, South Vietnam was our ally. 
North Vietnam was communist, South Vietnam was supposedly free and capitalist, supposedly. But I wanted to focus on the word control. He says the Soviet Union and its surrogates are moving to establish control over Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. It's like the nerve of them to try to control Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Exactly how they were trying to control these countries is maybe another conversation, but note that this is 1984. This is the mid-1980s. From the mid-1950s through the mid-1970s was a 20-year period in which the United States was at war in South Vietnam and, and, and at war with North Vietnam. When you talk about Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia, you know, the, the body counts vary, but 3 million, I think, is a reasonable and conservative figure for how many people in those countries died in the war that lasted from the mid-50s to the mid-70s. The height of that war was 1968, but it was brutal, which you shouldn't even have to say that a war is brutal, but it was a slaughter of civilians. We herded people into concentration camps to get them out of the countryside. We killed people with bombs, with guns, with napalm. We destroyed their, the, their forests and their farm fields with toxic pesticides, all of which is a war crime. And if that's not control, I don't know what is. But President Reagan is accusing the Soviet Union of moving to establish control over Vietnam. And then there's Laos and Cambodia. We weren't even at war with Cambodia or with Laos. But the North Vietnamese had a trail uh, called the Ho Chi Minh Trail, which went outside of North or South Vietnam into Cambodia. So the U.S. saw fit to bomb the Ho Chi Minh Trail in Cambodia and the Plain of Jars in Laos. And there, there was a French reporter by the name of Bernard Fall who was anti-communist. But Bernard Fall said, you know, never has there been this amount of firepower unleashed on a country of this size. There was more tonnage of bombs dropped in Vietnam than in the entire European theater in World War II. That's what I call control. And Reagan is accusing the Soviet Union of moving to establish control over Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. He also mentions Angola here. Angola is near South Africa. South Africa had an apartheid, a racist apartheid regime up until the late 1980s when Nelson Mandela was famously on the side of the black majority in South Africa. And the United States was not on the right side of apartheid. They were on the wrong side of apartheid. And that was related to Angola. 
and the Soviet Union was on the right side. Soviet Union and Cuba were on what most of us would consider to be the anti-racist, the right, correct, the morally right side in the conflicts that were going on in Angola and South Africa. But Reagan wants us to believe that the U.S. is always right and our enemies are always wrong. So he says the Soviet Union is trying to establish control over Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Angola, Ethiopia, South Yemen, Afghanistan, and recently closer to home in Nicaragua, and now El Salvador. It's the fate of this region, Central America, that I want to talk to you about tonight. Okay, I want to give you the names of like four or five countries in Central America, some of which are our allies, meaning our allies, meaning they're the allies of a, a corrupt government and corrupt corporations, but the allies, in other words, the, com the countries that are under our control are Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. And the country which since 1979 has mostly been able to resist our domination and control is Nicaragua. So let's talk about Guatemala as an example. Guatemala is one of those countries, one of the many countries, when you start to look into it, one of the many countries that they had a democracy going on and the U.S. military and big multinational corporations went together to change that. In 1954, a man named Jacobo Arbenz, was the popularly elected president or prime minister of Guatemala. Just the year before, Mohammad Mossadegh in Iran had been elected the prime minister, popularly elected prime minister of Iran, and the U.S. with, you know, one of the early operations of the CIA. The CIA had only been formed about seven years prior to this, and in the Eisenhower administration, they said, we need to overthrow Mossadegh because he's, he's not our kind of guy. He wants the resources of his country to go for the benefit of his people. We can't have that because that's not what we want. So the operation against Mohammed Mossadegh was successful in that we successfully turned a democracy into a dictatorship. The Shah of Iran was the brutal dictator that ruled Iran violently with an iron fist for the next 25 years. And they said, hey, that worked so well in Iran. Let's do the same thing in Guatemala. So there were some intelligence operations and some military operations and a propaganda campaign that involved Edward Bernays, who was the double nephew of Sigmund Freud. He was one of the big PR. He's the father of modern PR. He got women to smoke, making it seem like it was an, a, a thing about independence. United Fruit Company was involved because they were the ones that Jacobo Arbenz was kind of they, they didn't like him, and he didn't like them. He was a fairly moderate guy. He just wanted to do some land reform. He just wanted to give some relatively idle 
land back to the peasants that it had been taken from. And United Fruit Company said, we can't have that. So they got on their on the phone to their buddy, John Foster Dulles, who was a Wall Street lawyer. He was also John Foster Dulles and his brother, Alan Dulles. John Foster Dulles was the Secretary of State at this time. Alan Dulles was the head of the CIA. And they figured out a way to do what they'd been doing for a long time anyway, which is to depose a head of state that was not to our liking because it was not to the liking of U.S. corporations. And these countries in Central America had long been under U.S. influence anyway. They've always been under somebody's power and control. It was the it was the Spanish for a long time, and then it was the British, and then it was the Americans, the North Americans. But in this speech, Reagan is talking about how the Soviet Union wants to control Nicaragua and El Salvador. So a few minutes ago, I mentioned three countries in this region that are have been our allies or our puppets for a long time, and that's Guatemala, which you know, we, you know, we kicked out Jacobo Arbenz in 1954, and there was a brutal civil war. It killed approximately 200,000 people. And just like El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Honduras, the United States is always on the wrong side. If you consider the right side to be democracy and the wrong side to be those powerful corporations that don't like democracy. In El Salvador, just like most countries in the world, there's always a, there's an oligarchy that wants to control all the land and make all the money and virtually enslave the poor people. And Ronald Reagan and even Jimmy Carter before him were on the wrong side of the allegedly civil war in El Salvador. These are Catholic countries, and the the church is powerful socially, and also the you know the church, the priests and the bishops have a certain amount of political power as well, and it matters whether a bishop or a priest is religiously conservative or liberal, uh, politically conservative or liberal. They tend to go hand in hand. There's a fairly conservative priest by the name of Oscar Romero, a, bi- a bishop by the name of Oscar Romero, who, who was assassinated in 1979. And if he's conservative, you would think he would be on the side of the U.S., the side of the oligarchs. But Oscar Romero writes a letter to President Carter and says, please stop, stop sending money to these thugs. Not, my, you know, not his words, but mine. Please stop sending money to the so-called security forces that, that are doing bad things and wreaking havoc. Well, Jimmy Carter ignored that letter and Oscar Romero shortly thereafter was assassinated. And then the investigation was botched. That's a a prevailing theme you have in these things. They didn't even try to do a good investigation. We know who killed Oscar Romero, but he was assassinated by the allies of the U.S., which means the, the security forces, the dictatorial police state type of security forces. 
And so that's the kind of thing that went on in El Salvador, not to mention a supposedly, allegedly civil war that killed like, you know, 80, 100,000 people somewhere around in there. An event from that era resurfaced in 2020 when Elliot Abrams, who was part of the Trump administration and had been part of the Reagan administration, was confronted by AOC when she still had some a credible claim to authenticity. And Abrams lied about his involvement in a massacre in the village of El Masote. The massacre in El Masote killed 811 civilians. And it was the kind of thing where, you know, you're killing men, women, and children and hoping that it doesn't get discovered. But even if it does get discovered, it's like when you're on the side of money and power, you don't have to, you're not accountable. That's the kind of thing that goes on in Central America and all over the world, but the people in Central America have the and the Caribbean have the misfortune of living so close to an empire, a government, a set of corporations that they they get what they want. They take get what they want, they take what they want, and there's no accountability. So Reagan in this speech is saying the Soviet Union is moving to establish control over a series of countries, including El Salvador. But if you look at the history, you can tell that it's the U.S. that is, you know, it's the pot calling the kettle black. It, it's projection. It, it reminds you of that passage in the Gospels where Jesus says, you know, why do you focus on the speck of dust in your brother's eye when you have a plank or a log in your own eye? First get the log out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to move the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, don't be such a hypocrite. And Reagan ends by, or he says, the issue is our effort to promote democracy and economic well-being in the face of Cuban and Nicaraguan aggression, aided and abetted by the Soviet Union. It is definitely not about plans to send American troops into combat in Central America. Each year, the Soviet Union provides Cuba with $4 billion in assistance, and it sends tons of weapons to foment revolution here in our hemisphere. I've got about another le- a minute. Let me leave you with something to think about. So this is a show about solving climate change. And in order to solve climate change, we have to get to where we understand how government really works, how big corporations really work. And we need to be able to separate truth from fiction. We need to be able to separate rhetoric from reality. We're still dealing with the same issues today. We have a government and a financial sector that gets what it wants without accountability. There is theft on a large scale. There is violence on a large scale. And when it comes to Ukraine, or Syria, or Yemen, or Saudi Arabia, or Russia, we need to be able to separate the rhetoric from the reality. And it gets down to some very basic principles. Are we going to treat other people 
the way we want to be treated? Are we going to demand that our government and our multinational corporations not steal and kill to get what they want? And we might not always be able to control what they do, but at least we can first know the truth so that we can separate truth from lies and not be so easily fooled. I wish I had better news for you, but the truth is not pretty. And step number one is to stop supporting the bad guys with your rhetoric and with your money and stop believing the liars in commercial media. Okay, have a good day. Thanks.